Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambutasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambutasa. Bhutang Dhammang Sankang Namasami So today I was kind of thinking what I should speak about tonight and because I ran out of ideas a little bit towards the <laughs> end of, the, of our monastic year and I was, I was thinking... Uh, and thinking back on this retreat, we are just coming out of the New Year's retreat and it was really good to have some time to, to meditate actually and, and spend, spend in a quiet place and not having to attend to the many things we have to attend here every day, especially the computer. <laughs> and... <laughs> and and I've enjoyed that time very much. And then I was contemplating, you know, what is, is um, you know, how could, could, we, could I summon it all up, what we have been trying to, to uh, share with the people on the retreat. And I found a, a quote in the Ankutari Nikaya, which I, I think is very uh, simply expressing the whole uh, teaching which we try to speak about during the retreat and I start with reading that quote the Anguttara Nikaya is one of the four books in of the suttas and it's the numerical discourses because the suttas are arranged here according to numbers, you know, there's the chapter of the ones and the chapter of the twos, the chapter of the threes, up to the chapter of the tens. And I'm going to read a, a little passage from the chapter of the tens. And it goes like that. This is a, a, a wandering ascetic num named Uttia approached the Buddha and asked him about something and the Buddha didn't really directly answer his question but he, he summed up what the path is all about and what he was teaching and he said that the Tathagata, this is a name for the Buddha <coughs> The Tathagata is aware that whosoever has been emancipated is now emancipated or will be emancipated from the world. All these will do so by removing the five hindrances that defile the mind and weaken understanding, by firmly establishing their minds in the four foundations of mindfulness, and by cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment in their true nature. So they will remove the five hindrances, establishing the four foundations of mindfulness, 
and cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment. So these these uh, three things and the hindrances, the four foundations of mindfulness and the seven factors of enlightenment. That's one way of expressing the whole path from you know, from a, what's called in the scriptures a worldling to, a, to an enlightened being, somebody who is uh, identified with um, different mind objects which can arise in the mind, which can be, you know, classified into the four foundations of mindfulness. And once, you know, those hindrances have been uh, let go of, then the seven factors of enlightenment will arise instead of the hindrances. So that's, it's a way of, of transforming the mind through awareness from and transforming it from a way which distorts experience to, to complete openness and um, yeah, being in tune with reality, being in tune with the way things are instead of being caught in um, the past. And it's it's also likened in the scriptures to different qualities of of um, water. A mind which is is free and a mind which is uh, in tune with reality is is compared to a a lake which is uh, peaceful and clear and calm. So that if somebody would look at at, at this water, he or she could look to the bottom of the lake and could see whatever is happening there, the fish and the stones and the water plants. And at the same time would also be able to see the reflections of, the, of his or her own face in that lake. Without any distortion it would exactly be able to see what it is. So that's a way how we can uh, you know, understand how the qualities of a mind would be where the seven factors of enlightenment have been cultivated. And a mind where the hindrances are present is, is compared to also different qualities of water. And for example, a mind where there is... Um, ill will or hatred present is, is compared to water which is boiling and which is hot. So there's a lot of bubbles, you know, coming up through the water and steam coming also from the water and therefore if somebody looks at that water they can't see their own face in it. What they see is, is just a distortion. And if a mind is colored by, by desire or lust or um, greed, this kind of water would be compared in the scriptures to a water which is 
where there has been some colors put into the water. So if you, if somebody would look into this water, they would see their face not in how it really is. They'd see it either blue or red or whatever the color is of the water. So again, you know, it's not able to really see the way things are, but just seeing something which is very much influenced by the quality of the mind. And the next one is uh, a mind which is colored by doubt. That's compared to a water which is uh, muddy and which is in a dark place. And therefore, if, if we look into that water, we wouldn't be able to see anything. We just, we just see the darkness and, and there's no way that there's any clarity can arise as long as the mud is stirred up. So, that's the third uh, hindrance. And then the fourth one is um, restlessness. And that's compared to a lake or water where there's strong winds going over the surface of the water. So there's ripples and waves. And if you'd look at that water, we wouldn't be able to see our reflection clearly again. But we see something different from how the face really looks. So again, that doesn't really give justice to what's really going on. And the last one is um, sloth and topo, exactly. And that's compared to water which is um, covered with, um, with water plants or algae and which is kind of, you know, rotting underneath. And therefore it's, again, of course, impossible to see one's own face in it. But we see something different from what's really there. So all those five different hindrances are, are kind of impermanent mindsets. And through awareness, we'll be able to um, recognize them and, and transform them through holding steady with them and, and transforming the energy in that mindset from from a hindrance into the seven factors of enlightenment. And those factors of enlightenment, they are like a, a path leading to enlightenment at the same time. They also constitute enlightenment itself. And the qualities, you know, which are needed for, for that process to happen is, of course, the first most important one is, is mindfulness or, or sati. And also, you know, spiritual friends and, and um, a conducive setting is, of course, very important as well as an external factor. And 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 the internal factor is is wise attention, so you know, to be able to understand the necessity and have a sense of urgency for practice so that we have, you know, enough interest to, to, to develop mindfulness and be with the hindrances, which can be very unpleasant energy to, to be able to hold if we, if we are not completely identified with them and acting on them you know, stopping and, and just being with, with those hindrances with awareness is, is not an easy thing to do, even it sounds quite simple.
because it's those five hindrances, you know, which are responsible for everything that you can what you can witness on this planet, you know, in terms of unwholesome action. It all stems from one of those five. And before, when we were reflecting, you know, on the on the five uh, precepts, and that's one way how we can keep the hindrances in check. And but in, you know, to be able to understand the necessity for that uh, requires a certain amount of, of of wise attention and and basic you know basic understanding and basic goodwill to to really want the best for other people as well as for oneself. And that's, you know, to, to be able to discern what is good and what isn't good is in itself already, you know, not so simple. Otherwise, those things which we can see what, which are going on wouldn't happen. So, and that's also why the first of the seven factors of enlightenment is actually sati itself. Yeah, mindfulness or awareness. And, you know, once there's a certain amount of, of, of mindfulness and awareness, we, without, you know, having to really intellectually think about it, certain insights start, start to arise just by purely, you know, being with what is happening and not, not uh, you know, veering off into the hindrances, a certain amount of understanding starts to arise. And, and in, in, in terms of the factors of enlightenment, it's called uh, investigation of dhammas. This is the through being, you know, through being mindful of what is happening certain features you know, of certain qualities of, of our experience you know, start to stand out. And then if we have you know, heard a little bit about the teachings or studied a, a certain amount of it, we, we start to link up you know, the qualities of our experience which we witness through being aware with what we have you know, learned. For example, suddenly we, we start to you know, become aware of, for example, impermanence. Or we become aware of, um, you know, the unsatisfactoriness of our experience. Or that there is not a, a solid core to any of the mind states or any of the mind objects we can witness. And so we we linking up the we are linking up our experience with, uh, with, with the teachings. And, you know, through being able to do that and being able to, to recognize, you know, what we have heard or read, that, you know, brings up, uh, it's like an aha effect somehow, you know. This is as if you would learn a, if you don't, if anybody, if you have ever learned the language, you know, when you, for the first time you you can understand a, a sentence in that language, even a, only a short a short one, it feels very good, and it and energy arises because suddenly you know we have the feeling yes, actually we can uh, understand this. There is actually a way to 
you know, to get uh, an understanding on what uh, what this life is all about, you know, and what we can, how we can um, approach it in order to not get lost in it, but in order to uh, use it for the development of wisdom and compassion. So when, when for the first time, you know, when we have this an, in, an insight like that, and I hope you've all had it, and I guess you must have, otherwise you wouldn't be here, then energy starts to arise. And, and, yes, and the willingness, you know, to keep going with this. And we have a feeling we can see that there is a way. And, and if energy arises, then there's more, there's more willingness to keep going. And, and we, we put more effort in. And if we put more effort, then more energy arises. And it just, it, the process starts to kind of, um, gain momentum and if we start to notice that that energy comes you know freely we don't have to kind of crank it up but it's just coming that brings uh, brings joy it's not a, a sensual kind of joy but rather like a, what we call can call a dhamma joy and in the factors of enlightenment that is called pity and, you know, if we don't get carried away by that joy and then, you know, just try to read too many books or, or go to too many different teachings and get confused again, then we can use this joy, you know, to, um, to gain a certain amount of, uh, you know, satisfaction through it and, and the mind starts to, to become calm and starts to settle down because uh, you know there has been a certain reassurance about that that this uh, this teaching works for us and that it brings us um, like safety and understanding and Tranquility is, is a, a necessity for insight. And it's like, you know, if, if the hindrances have been um, at least, you know, for a certain amount of time been, been um, transformed, then uh, through, through the tranquility, for example, we'd be able to, to see, look really deeply into the lake. You know, look beyond the, the waves into the depths of it and we, we start to see you know the the process nature of this body and of this mind that it is not a solid thing but it's a process which is you know consisting of many different elements which are constantly arising and ceasing and that insight can only you know come about through a certain amount of tranquility because otherwise we won't be able to you know, keep steady the mind long enough. So that, that, that concentration, you know, a focus or a collectedness of mind is, uh, is just coming together at least for a certain amount of time. And through that inside, equanimity arises because we start to you know, see the way things really are and 
we start to understand that uh, you know what meets the eye is not really the way things are but there's much more to, to do this and you know certain connections are, are being made for example that we start to understand for example that the way how we are you know living our lives that this has a very strong impact onto the qualities of our mind for example you know if we are you know acting a, a, a lot in unwholesome ways it, it will have it's it's you know negative repercussions on our, our mind it will be very difficult to develop any of those seven factors of enlightenment if we live in a way which is unwholesome you know which doesn't uh, bear justice to 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 those qualities which uh, which bring clarity and therefore i think you know living according to the five precepts is, is a basic ingredient for insight really to happen in a you know in a in a more um, frequent way i mean you know if we really live um, you know especially you know uh, clouding our mind a lot with with different you know substances and so on. I think it might sometimes you know be that we can have insight that way as well. But on the long run, it, it's you know if if practice really has um, has good results, I think it's it's kind of automatic that we start that we really want to keep the precepts because we can see you know the connections between our daily lives and our mind, our own mind. And and it's it's yeah it's it's a it's a result of of a, of a blind mindfulness that we want to keep the precepts because we can really see you know what we do to other people we we do actually to ourselves. I think when when it comes to that point in the practice, this is a very very uh, a crucial point. And, you know, so we can say, you know, summing it all up, one can say that, you know, the whole practice is all about developing those seven factors of enlightenment. And, and you know, and sometimes when, you know, when I see the thousands of books which have been written about the teachings and so many different teachers, so many different lineages, so many different methods of meditation. In the end of the day, you know, if, if there's any doubt about what has to be developed and what, what should be let go of, we can always come back to this very short quote. And I'd like to repeat again the seven factors of enlightenment and I, can, I will also say them in, in a Pali language just for you to, to have heard those words. So, so the first one is um, mindfulness or, or sati. I think that word we all know because it's really the central 
central word in, in, in the teaching, mindfulness. The second one is Dhamma Vichaya or investigation of Dhamma, which is a result of mindfulness because if we are really fully with our experience, you know, this is what, what's happening. It doesn't have to be like a thinking about it. It can be. It can be a thinking, it can be a reflecting, but it also can be just purely contemplating, which means, you know, looking at certain features of or certain qualities of our experience. For example, doing walking meditation, walking, and then, for example, for this session of the walking meditation, maybe looking at impermanence itself. That's a way, you know, how we can, for example, apply this investigation of Dhammas and look at one quality. Or we can just look at the whole process itself without, you know, without tuning into a certain quality. That can also be a way how, how we can, you know, apply mindfulness. So it's not, you know, in order to, to um, do this uh, second, um, of enlightenment, to, to do the investigation of dhammas, we don't have to kind of let go of the meditation object, but it's just, it's, it's one process of, you know, looking, for example, at the movement when we are walking, but looking at it in terms of, of this one quality, or looking at it as a whole action, or a whole process, and then, you know, we can for example, relate it back to the teaching itself. As I've said before, which then, you know, if we recognize then some of the teachings in our own experience, then it brings energy. And, and the energy, if the energy comes easy, that, that automatically results in joy. And if there's joy, then the, the whole body and mind system, if we don't get carried away with it, it, it calms down. And if the body and the mind calm down, we can suddenly see much deeper into the body and into the mind and we can discern, you know, that they are actually not what, you know, what we think that they are. They are not, you know, according, they are not like just things, you know, which are unchanging, but they are processes and they are also consisting of many, 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 many different elements. And the deeper, the deeper we look into it, those elements become ever more subtle and there's no end to it. And there's no unchanging core to any of those. So, that's, you know, that's only possible through uh, tranquility. And, and then through this, uh, you know, to, through the insight, which, which is a result of, of tranquility and mindfulness, uh, equanimity arises because we can, we can see deeply, you know, what this, uh, our lives, what they are all about. And, and we can start to this, you know, to through having insight into the, the laws of nature, we 
we do understand, you know, with increasing depths, how to, you know, how to conduct our lives so that they are skillful in bringing, you know, what is good to ourselves and also to others. And that results in, in equanimity and that's, the word for equanimity in Pali language is Ubeka. And this, um, you know, or it's also sometimes called equanimity towards all formations. So that's, that's a, a kind of acceptance and, and settledness with, with whatever is arising. Because through insight we have seen, you know, it, it can't be other than it is. It All life is going according to these laws of nature. And if we, you know, if we put enough interest and <coughs> if we really look deeply, we, we can get to know those different laws and then we can start to work in, in unison with those laws. And... And so that, you know, all of the factors of enlightenment will get strengthened. And this uh, factor of equanimity will, will increase more and more. And through, you know, increasing equanimity, there's more ability to, to be mindful of what is going on in the present moment. And, and through that, this is a, a whole process which is, is a, st a steady increasing of the seven factors of enlightenment. You know, leading in the end to the perfection of all seven, which is enlightenment itself. So it's a path as well as, as the end of the path. And, you know, in, in terms of practice, it's like when you are sitting in meditation, we can just reflect on is there any of those seven factors, are they present in our mind or are they not present? And then if we find one of them present in the mind, then reflecting, you know, how did this factor arise? What, you know, what has given, what has given rise to it? And then if it has a reason, you know, how can we, how can we strengthen it? So that's a way how we can work with those seven factors of enlightenment and it's in a very similar way as, as with the hindrances as well, where we also we can look into the mind and we can look, you know, is there a hindrance present in the mind? And if there is, we can see, you know, why, what, what gave rise to the hindrance and then how, how can we uh, let go of it? And, and through mindfulness itself, you know, that... That's the only real central quality which we need for, for this practice. Because if you are, if you are aware of what's going on, uh, a hindrance through awareness will, will automatically be uh, you know, transformed into the factors of enlightenment, not by kind of you know, suppressing the hindrance or, or wanting to get rid of it, but rather to, to be fully aware of, of what's happening. Because it's, it's uh, you know, the hindrances themselves are, uh, is like raw material, like 
finding gold, you know, in, uh, which is locked into stone through through the process of um, you know it will be extracted and it will be it's it will be transformed from from a mineral into into something very precious. And the seven factors of enlightenment, they are in the scriptures are compared to uh, tr seven treasures. And and it's it's uh, the energy you know, which is caught up in the hindrances in an in an unwholesome, unskillful way through mindfulness, we can transform them into into those seven treasures. So not by by you know, trying to get rid of the hindrances, but by fully taking them on, by fully holding them in awareness and having the transformation take place just through that. And I think that you know that we can easily forget if we are really caught in one of the hindrances. It's, it feels like something is wrong and we, we want to get rid of it. But the real way forward is by by fully opening ourselves to it and, and letting it letting it be there. But not letting letting us be taken over by them, but you know, not turning away from it and letting us fully be filled by what's going on, but with with a strong in a strong container of mindfulness and then the transformation will take place by itself. We don't have to do it. So I think that's what I wanted to say. And we could end the sitting today with, with chanting the seven factors of enlightenment. Yeah. Just especially for healing. Isn't yeah, it's a very <coughs> special chant for healing illness, actually, and we can. Dedicated to all those people. Satisankato <laughs> Munina samata kata pavita pahuli kata sangvatanti apinyayani panaya chapodiya etena sachavachena sotite hotu sapata ekasaming samayenato Mogalanchakasapang Kilane to Kitetisava Pochange Satate Saite Chatang Apinam Ditava Rogamochim Sutankane Etena Sachava Chena Sotite Hotusapata Ekatam Maracha Pigela Nena 
pipilito chundate arena tanne vapana petavana satara samotitavacha apata tamhavuta sitana so etena satchavachena sotite hotu sapata pahina techa apata dinanam pimahesina makahata kilesavapata nupatitam matam etena satchavachena sotite hotu sapata Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.